random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick, and Eddie Wilson is on assignment again in Latveria because I ran out of Marvel locations. Joining us on the other end of the Zoom and string, we are joined with the proprietor of HorrorMovieBarbecue.com, Chad Ecto Young. Chad, good evening, because we're actually recording in the evening. We are indeed, and I love the uh, almost Vincent Price egghead kind of voice. What's up, Vince? Um, so, yeah, we're off to a good start. And so this is a bit of a bamboozling. We're actually going to be talking about the hit anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. Hold on. Now, wait a minute. Okay, now I know you think you're being funny, and there's a little joke between me and Peter, and it's not really a joke because Peter loves anime. Oh, I'm the biggest weeb. anime. But Evangelion was one of my favorite shows. So if you want to, you want to shoot at the king, you best not miss. So nice try, Peter. See, I actually went to a, a Goodwill today, and one of the DVDs of that series was sitting there next to a Spirited Away, and I'm just like, eh, eh I'm good. Oh, I was mean, dang, really? They oh. were two dollars a disc. Oh, now that's a bargain. You're getting entertainment. It most certainly family friendly entertainment. Fun for the whole family if the family is the Donner Party. Although, <laughs> oh no. Now, this topic at hand we're going to be talking about is comic books and comic book properties throughout the 1980s and 1990s. And when I say <laughs> 80s, I'm referring to the late 80s, like the final years, 87, 88, 89. And we're going to be talking about some different topics at hand, specifically the rise and fall of Marvel Comics in the 1990s, everything involved with Ooh. video games, comic books, and, and not moves were very few and far between. So we're going to be talking about stuff like, again, the video games, the TV shows, and whatnot. And one of the very first things that we were talking about before we even started recording today was the issue of image comics and image had so many different properties. They were their own while they were their own brand. They had all their little imprints inside. You have Todd McFarlane's whatever the hell productions you had Rob Liefeld's extreme studios. You had Jim Valentino's shadow line among many, many others of the core seven founders. And what I always found interesting about that was they were essentially all pitching their own movies and shows to Hollywood. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. Most of them didn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. be completely I mean, yeah. I, and even, I mean, you could even argue, I mean, it, even spawn, you know, the movie didn't work, um, but the show did. The, oh my gosh, the show was beautiful. I mean, that animation. I mean, my gosh, I, I know people that got into Spawn because of the animated series. And this was five or six years after the comic had really exploded. And I think that by the time the cartoon came out, you know, I 
think it gave a little extra, you know, juice spawn because, you know, probably if it wasn't for the cartoon, probably would have died off. Um, which, you know, would have really sucked for Al Simmons because uh, he, he wouldn't have been able to catch a break with all these deaths. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I mean, I saw the spawn movie in the theater with my friends and I, and uh, it was, it was, it, 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 I think it came out the same day as steel, which I, I, I think we can all agree that the you know, spawn is the better of the two, but, but oof, just, just rough. The soundtrack was great. Soundtrack was fantastic. I own Steel on DVD as a part of the Warner Brothers Archive Collection. Oh, oh that's right. They did a uh, Warner Archive because they didn't have the balls to release it. <laughs> Can you blame them? So here, here's my issue. And I, I <sighs> wait a minute. You say your issue. Now, is it a uh, chromium cover? Is it a, uh, it's a vacuum form chase variant? Does it glow in the dark? No, that's the mail away, Peter. We've been over this. That's fair. No, no bonus cards, correct? Okay, Peter, you're going to go in your corner in a second. All right. <laughs> um, the, the first time I heard that Shaquille O'Neal was playing Steel, I was like, well, gosh, that kind of makes sense. And then part of me was like, it's going to be part of a Superman movie. And then I was like, well, it, it'll be part of a Death of Superman movie, right? And then I was like, it's going to be part of a reign of Superman movie, right? And then you're like, oh, boy, boy, they're, they're, they're really going for this. Like they really thought that, they really thought that Steel was going to be a character that people would want to come see. Because if you remember, they, they did a pretty decent marketing job. They had action figures. They did, uh, I think, trading. They, they did a bunch of stuff, I think. And, you know, Shaq is a huge, huge Superman fan, figuratively and literally. Um, so I'm sure he had a great time. I don't know, but it, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Yeah. I, I, you, you ask, you know, the normal, even at that time, you know, we were only five, four, five years after the, the reign of Superman. And I, if you're seeing if you're seeing this giant poster in a movie theater, it says Steel, and you know it's got Shaq showing his you know Superman tattoo arm. You're like, what the f is that? Yeah, you know, and it, it just well, it's funny because it's so forgotten. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's one of those movies where if you told you know the general public hey there's this movie first off they wouldn't know what you're talking about and they would probably confuse it with kazam and then mm -hmm. accidentally call it shazam mm -hmm. because apparently shaquille o'neal and sinbad look alike which makes oh. no sense nope that's still one of my favorite things of the mandela effect where people go that guy looks like that guy no they don't <laughs> well you know it ties into this discussion but i had my own mandela effect this past week didn't i you most certainly did. You thought I did. You know, now I'm I'm I am I'm always happy to admit when I'm wrong or I remember something, you know, incorrectly. And um, <clears throat> you know, uh, thank you to you and Eddie. Um, I had posted on Horror Movie Barbecue's Facebook page and Twitter how back in the day, and I think I even started it off by saying I may be remembering this wrong, but Evil Ernie, you know. I, it had a couple live action, you know, fo uh, photo shoot and 
you know, it was revealed in Wizard. And for some reason, I always thought that it was saying, you know, that we were getting a uh, live action evil Ernie and that, you know, like some promos were being shot. And again, this is like almost 30 years later. So, of course, I'm going to remember it wrong. And um, got a lot of interest, got a lot of people talking. And they were like, oh, gosh, I forgot all about evil Ernie. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. And then you and Eddie send it to uh, Mr. Brian Polito. And he was, you know, very nice enough to kind of correct me and say, no, you know, that was just, that was just a photo. We, you know, no video was ever really shot, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always, <laughs> that was kind of nice to get confirmation from the source itself. I'm not going to lie. And wasn't it interesting that those photos themselves were utilizing the backdrop of every single 1998 ECW promo photo where it's that purplish pink background? Oh. I, you know what? Maybe that's where Paul got the, the, those ideas from. I have a couple of those promo photos, by the way. And the funniest thing is that is like one of those jarring things of that era of those promo photos from oh. ECW. By the way, in case you couldn't tell, Chad and I are both wrestling fans, especially myself and especially Chad, but mm-hmm. surprise. Mm-hmm. But Hi. it's funny because like when I think of ECW during that time, the very first visual I think of is the Chris Candido photo op with him and... Uh, Oh, with uh, Sonny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm picturing that right now. Yeah, yeah. But in regards to it's funny, you mentioned Evil Ernie and Evil Ernie would have been a great movie to see during the 1990s. <sighs> Practical effects, all that cool stuff. But it didn't mm-hmm. happen. But how likely do you think it was optioned? It's just he can't really say anything like back then, you know. It had to have been. The conspiracy theory in me. Um, I heard you say there's a conspiracy. Yes. Listen up, McMahon. Um, there's part of me that thinks, and again, this is opinion. I'm not stating that it's true or anything like that. There's part of me that thinks there's gotta be like some footage they did shoot and that they were hoping to like sell to maybe some advertisers or even MTV or, you know, maybe we could, you know, something like that, because this doesn't seem, this seems a little, it seems to me like that would have just been perfect. And, you know, I, I want to believe that there is like some promos or something out there that, you know, like you said, maybe Brian, maybe, you know, sold it to someone and they, they, they just kind of sat on it and said, ah, oh, we're going to pass, but you know, we're going to keep it. It's, it's like when a company like buys a script or something, I don't know. Cause if you notice you know, but- for, a, for a period of time, evil Ernie was on, you know, was on the bench for a little bit. Like there were a number of years, like maybe two or three evil Ernie series came out and it mm-hmm. was very spotty, kind of like my internet service. And yes. in, in regards to seeing that that usually is the case when a project is optioned and they just mm-hmm. limit everything because they're going off to Hollywood and meeting with the studios and whatnot. Yes. And, and, and think about it like evil, you know, if for anyone who doesn't know what evil Ernie is, um, evil Ernie was this very nineties kind of concept character. And honestly, I was having this discussion with my friend Stacy still, who is, 
the biggest Eddie Munson fan in the world. If you look at Evil Ernie, uh, it's Eddie Munson essentially as a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> like in 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 like it added new other characters, like Lady Death was uh popular during that stupid bad girls craze, which we all fell for. Um and she got an animated series or um she got an animated movie, but Evil Ernie didn't. So, you know, that kind of adds to like <sighs> Lady Death got something. Albeit a couple of years after, you know, the fat had died, but she got something. There has to be something out there that they were trying to shop around. There just has to be. And, you know, like I said, all opinion, you know, I'm not going to. The, the character of Evil Ernie, his, the rights of the character are so tied up in various places. Like you can't do Lady Death meets Evil Ernie anymore yeah. because the rights are so tangled up. And it's funny because evil ernie the rights to the character are over at dynamite mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think lady death is like at some random company i think i think she's with top cow mark silvestri's company top cow is still going yeah oh yeah oh that's great i'm very happy to hear that and it's what's interesting about a lot of this is when you say you bring up uh top cow and all the other image companies mm-hmm what we I would be remiss if we don't talk about it. You know, you look at that time and what led to this episode being recorded. Every single image character at one point or another was getting optioned for TV shows, yes. was getting optioned for video games, was mm-hmm. getting optioned for anything under the sun, movies even, but barely. Mm-hmm. But even, like I said, video games. Jim Valentino, uh, you know, it's out there. And a company actually took the unreleased prototype ROM, modified it just ever so slightly so it could be a completed game, and released it on these game cartridges. Mm-hmm. And he proceeded to sue the ever-loving hell out of them. And now right. that's a $5,000 uh, valued video game. Or oh, my. But, oh my. But, ladies and gentlemen, George, George Takai. But in regards to... Uh, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Hello, Peter. <laughs> that's correct. In regards to um, in regards to the Shadowhawk video game, which by the way, if you want to play it, you can play it online, you know, through various emulators and all that stuff. And it's got a cool look to it. It's a weird beat 'em up kind of game from mm-hmm. the time period. Is it good? Eh, eh. a solid. Eh. But I assume not. It's a very interesting kind of uh, game. And then you have, you know, Youngblood. Youngblood had a video game that was supposed to come out for the PC. It was, I believe, going to be a strategy kind of game. Then you have um, mm-hmm. you have all of the Spawn games. And every Spawn game did get released, starting with the Super Nintendo, yes. which, by the way, yes. was developed by Sony and released by mm-hmm. Acclaim. But a lot of the, Oh, oh. They, in my opinion, and I've said it before, Acclaim video games... LJN, they are the canon pictures of the video game industry. Which, by the way, throwback to the Jim Shooter interview you did. Um, so, yeah, but no, yes, you're right. Except, you know, you, the, uh, yeah, I mean, they would just do anything that they could put their, their name on. So, yeah, I've I can see said, that. Well, I've always said with uh, Acclaim and LJN is they had a they're a company that had the game rights to marvel at its height south park mm-hmm. at its height the wwf mm-hmm. at both of its heights how do you pull this off and screw ecw it? too 
well yeah but was that at their height you know that was when they were losing everybody okay yeah you got me they had uh what's his name you know amish roadkill and bilvis wesley oh we didn't get the musketeer though we we most certainly did not no but in regards to you know ljn they have Mm -hmm. all these licenses all of these games and all of these you know different things and they screw it up massively yeah oh my gosh absolutely and it's funny because you look at the south park games and they were just poorly made quickly shipped video games Mm -hmm. and then you look at all the other games and like i said they are in my opinion the canon pictures of video games because for every schlocky bad game they made there was at least one diamond in the rough every few games yes every few games yeah they would they would do but it was so rare that i i don't think no those are the guys that did donkey kong what's up those are the guys that did donkey kong that's rare oh shut up peter so anyway um oh they also did time lord i think on nintendo which is questionably good (laughs) one of the games for me and it ties into this topic at hand is yes. one of the best video games of the 1990s in the realm of comic books. <gasps> I think I know where you're going. Maximum Carnage. Mm-hmm. And if you check in our archives, by the way, we have two episodes, one with the lead singer guitarist of Green Jello, mm-hmm. and the other with Mark Flitman, the producer of the Maximum Carnage game. So we're talking both sides of the tale, both sides of the coin, if you will, of the Maximum Carnage story. But in regards to that, it was a game that managed to kick all sorts of ass. And it was a game that came out at a time when everybody was trying to strike while the iron was hot with comic books, the comic book mm-hmm. license. You have so many animated series at the time. You have Spider-Man, the animated series. You have X-Men, the animated series. And those two properties alone, you put them on a game cartridge, those will sell. Bro, those will sell, bro. Uh, it, the, the only way it would sell more to Vince Russo is if Yvonne Craig was on the cover. And it was on a pole. I realize that's low-hanging fruit, but that low-hanging fruit is hanging up from a pole. But I digress. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I actually have a funny story about the um, Maximum Carnage. So uh, video game. A, we're, 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 we're leaving out a very minor part that it was a red cartridge. Yeah, it was yeah. it was read on both versions, by the way, the mm-hmm. Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. And oh, it was gorgeous. I have the uh, Genesis version, but I wish I wish I had the Super Nintendo version. I had the Super Nintendo. Well, OK, I, I should say I rented it a lot. Do you, But do you remember? I don't know if it's in the Genesis, but do you remember in the back of the, the instructions? There was a uh, reading challenge called Paint the Town Well Red. And you had to like read a certain amount of comics or uh, books, you know, and your teacher kind of had to sign off and they would send you a um, a certificate with your name on it that said, you know, you've accomplished this reading goal. I had that. I had one. And I don't know where it went because I had it for the longest time. And it was always something that I, I I really enjoyed. I hop online, nobody's heard of it. Nobody even knows what it is. And 
there's a gentleman on Twitter. His name is Chris Glass, and he's in the video game industry. He's been driving himself crazy looking for this one. And we well, started connecting because he was looking for it. And I'm like, I had it. I just, I, I don't know where it is, but if I ever find it, I want to post it because it's really cool. Well, if you want, like one of these days, I'll uh, get you in contact with Mark Flipman, the producer of the game. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that would be great. Maybe Let's he figure has th- one that he can send me again. <laughs> no, you're going to have to read all those books again. let's let's i've got like a couple blocks you you can read some goosebumps (laughs) yay (laughs) but yeah that maximum carnage took everyone by storm and you know we're talking about the video game but think about it it was also featured heavily in the um in the uh spider-man animated series at that time there was an offshoot of the toy line where they kind of gave maximum carnage its own spotlight you know, Carnage was the hot new villain. And just, you know, it wasn't too long before that Venom was the hot new villain. And, you know, suddenly, you know, Marvel's got a new character that they can market. And at the time, marketing towards adults was just kind of starting, you know. It was not existent, but it was getting there. But yeah, it was getting there, The you know, and, and a lot more adult oriented properties you know like spawn like you know venom and certain characters like punisher and you know all that and it it was getting there and it was really kind of cool to see you would be walking in the mall and you know you pass by an adult probably in their like 20s or 30s and they're wearing a venom shirt and you're like oh cool you know so i mean that marketing was getting there like you said but you know wasn't anywhere near what it is today but um, carnage was a very big deal and they kind of knew that and they kind of put the big focus on him and he's kind of an underground villain and now he was uh not really used as much is he and it's interesting because with a lot of the 1990s pop culture of the comic book industry and how it was starting to blow up and get more and more out there but still be a niche product yes what i love is you look at those 1990s style t-shirts you look Mm. at a lot of that stuff from that era and what gets me is there's a lot of companies out there different uh instagram pages twitter pages of bootleg t-shirt sites we both mm-hmm. experience this in the realm of pro wrestling, but it's also there in the realm of comics. And <sighs> is it there? Yeah. And there are these companies out there, little uh, quick, you know, pop-up shop ones where for 24 hours or a week or whatever, they'll do pre-orders for a shirt. And it's utilizing the original comic art from the books that they scanned mm-hmm. themselves, you know, up the uh, resolution to 400 DPI. They're putting it up there and making mm-hmm. it into new t- t-shirts in that style uh-huh. and i think it's so cool yeah and you know i can't say the names of them but if you know me you want to ask me i'll give you a couple names one of which was uh, recommended to me by a uh-huh. demon at uh, aew who's very nice and very evil but you know this those different pages they have these cool designs because uh-huh. of one of them i got my hands on the uh punisher archie shirt where it's that logo of the punisher skull mash that's right yes i love that shirt mm-hmm. And then the other one, you know, my girlfriend just got me this one. It's the uh, the Superman logo, the Superman shield, and it's Doomsday's fist breaking out of it. <gasps> and then on the back, oh, that legendary Doomsday. image. Oh, what and an it's, image. It's so great. And then another one from another company. This is the second company. 
it's a Conan the Barbarian from the early 1990s. Oh. And you don't see Conan the Barbarian merch with the comic book imagery. And, oh. you know, uh -huh. it's, it's funny because once a comic company loses the rights to something, immediately for me, I'm just, mm -hmm. it like clicks in my head, like, oh, you should have been paying attention to this this whole time. Now I'm trying to be that hipster hunting down Conan the Barbarian comics. And I'm like, I like this. I can't believe Marvel lost. It's like, you dumbass, you should have been reading mm -hmm. the entire time. <laughs> but it's so cool to see that love and appreciation of these things. And like I said, the graphic designers who are doing this stuff in that fashion, there's a pro wrestling uh, bootleg site. And, you know, both you and I, we saw their recent drop of a Shawn Michaels HBK one. Mm -hmm. And they're advertising on Instagram the way they're doing it is like a early 1990s Apple ad and the typeface, everything in it screams early nineties and it's the cleanness to it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I like that. Absolutely. And you don't get that with a lot of the graphic design. And I, this is coming as a graphic designer myself, mm -hmm. but seeing all of that different stuff in regards to design work of these retro style things nowadays you get stuff and it's very much like they're using the uh what's it called uh hdr stuff where everybody looks like they're burnt toast mm -hmm. and it's it's shit to mm -hmm. be completely honest it's absolute shit and i'm a big fan of simplicity but not simplicity out of laziness i like mm -hmm. simplicity where an image can be easily conveyed and it's not because I did this just because a lot of 1990s graphic design stuff, mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite wrestling shirts, bootleg wrestling shirts and regular wrestling shirts is the Razor Ramon print all around shirt. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's got like the way the photo of Razor looks on there with the, uh, the dots and everything and that kind of like smudginess to it. Mm -hmm. It looks like somebody made that in the 1990s they mm. were using whatever typefaces they had on hand to design it and they're just like screw it let's do this yeah and that was that was something cool you know i'm not a big fan of the 90s i i but i mean as far as pop culture goes it was pretty cool it was yeah. just kind of hell growing up in it um but you know one of those things that i had was comics and whenever you would see this kind of stuff I always get kind of transported back to like 1993, 94, whenever these things were just first exploding and these things were first becoming a big deal, you know? So, and it, 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 I'd like the reprint stuff. I'd rather pay 25 bucks for a high quality reprint. And I've got a couple of reprint shirts, but I'd rather pay that, you know, for a shirt I can fit into than a, you know, 300, $400, you know, original that I'm just going to hang on a wall. A so, uh, friend of the show, Daiko, of A Stark Contrast, you know, me and her will talk about that. And she's like, mm -hmm. I get why you do the reprints, but why not just go the full, you know, amount and buy the the original real deal? I'm like, because I don't want to spend that much money for that. And I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm very tall. I can't fit into an extra large. Yeah, I, I, I would love to drop that much money on all that stuff. But I, if unless I'm going to wear it, I, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not yeah. going to buy that. But, and like I said, you know, yeah, and there were a lot of cool designs back then in the 90s. Um, but, you know, and it all comes back to, you know, all that underground comics and, you know, we're going back to image. 
image was very underground, even though it did have mainstream appeal. You know, um, Spawn obviously, I think, is the most famous image. Well, Walking Dead maybe, but you know, from the original run, I think Spawn was the most easily recognizable, and you know that led to you know doors opening for Wildcats and Youngblood. And I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when Cyberforce got little action figures? Those I don't, but I remember the uh, other ones like uh, Wildcats, Youngblood. I remember those figures, but never Cyberforce. So Cyberforce got these little, like, I think they were like three packs of like miniature, I shouldn't say action. But um, they got, you know, like three packs of like little, they were kind of on the scale of like Green Army where you couldn't really pose them or do anything. You just put them on your desk and they look kind of cool. And they did the whole team. Um, my guess was they were probably, you know, I, I think that Mattel did them, if I'm remembering right. Um, but, you know, it was, it was pretty wild to go into a toy store, you know, and look around and you're seeing Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men. And then you see Cyberforce, you see Spawn, you see Wildcats, and eventually you'll see, you know, Warrior Nunarella and, Nira X, which I think the the less said about those, the better. But you know, I think it, I think it's funny, by the way, that when you mention the team names, you never mention the specific characters because, as great as that era is in a lot of ways, certain characters they're so unremarkable that we don't know the names of them. Like Wildcats, I just know Grifter, and Grifter became his own character. Yes. Cyberforce, you just keep saying Cyberforce. I'm like, yeah, I don't know who the characters are. Wasn't was it Ripclaw? See, I'm guessing. Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Ripclaw. I think I think it I think it is. It, he but... was like red. He was kind of like at that point, everybody had a Wolverine kind of style character. So like Wildcats had Warblade. And of course, you know, then Cyberforce had their I think it was Ripclaw. Youngblood had troll, if I remember correctly. Yes. And he's just like a lame Wolverine. And it got oh. me thinking, you know, you mentioned to me well, well, you mentioned to me that there was like a pitch for a young blood yes. animated series. And I want to check that out. So you got to send that to me uh when we're done oh, recording. Absolutely. So so I, I will have to I let me let me kind of explain. I haven't seen it in years. I know it's floating around, but I had a VHS tape that my friend had made that was like a third generation copy. And it was the official pitch because it kind of featured, you know, Rob Liefeld sitting there talking about um, Youngblood, the origins, you know, kind of what he wanted to do and what he saw as the animated series. And look, we can all sit here and talk about what a <laughs> what an excellent, you know, Captain America artist Rob is. But once you start getting him talking about comics, it's pretty fun to hear because he does turn into a big kid and you can kind of relate to him. Um, that's it. That's it. Not everything he says now. Um, I just kind of want to mute him <laughs> on uh, all social media. But um, Rob really wanted to make this work, and you could tell that he really wanted to push, you know, for making you know Youngblood just as recognizable as like say X Men or uh, you know the Avengers or even Wildcats because Wildcats got there and and. They got their own series on CBS, which, by the way, we will touch on in a second because I was a massive Wildcats fan, and I do want to talk about that. Um, 
And by the way, I can name every member. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. Um, but you could tell Rob really wanted to make this work. So, you know, we, we eventually did get action figures from Todd McFarlane. He did um, the entire team. He did like, you know, like you said, Troll. What was, was it Bad Rock? He was like the big guy and... You know, well, you got uh, Shaft. He, he was originally he was originally Bedrock. Well, he was originally Bedrock. Right, and they had to change that, didn't they? I wonder why. Hmm, I don't know. Are you trying to say that Rob was ripping something off? I would never say that. But like, you could kind of tell. Like, and, and Rob's an interesting guy, but I, I think that he thought that a you know. A, Youngblood was just X-Men, and you could also make the argument that Wildcats was just X-Men, and you could also make the argument that Gen 13 was just Generation X, and you could make the argument that Wetworks was X-Force. Fine. Let's be honest. Everybody's ripping off Avengers and Justice League anyway. Um, which, by the way, another property that Todd uh, McFarlane would do is Wetworks as a uh, toy line, which those things hit... Um, KB clearance so quick because <laughs> just that name is stupid and the figures were terrible. Um, no one cared. But there was a very big push that let's make image the next, you know, Marvel and DC, which by the way, that should be every independent um, publication's goal. Let's be yeah. the number three. I absolutely think, you know, that that's the attitude to have 100%. Just when your characters are all ripoffs of other characters, it's like, uh, maybe this isn't going to work. Well, what got me about a lot of image is they were pushing for their, their characters to be shows on like kids television, like Savage mm -hmm. Dragon showed up on the USA kids oh. block. You have wildcats as a part of another one. And then you have like, the other ones that they attempted and then they just gave up. And meanwhile, you know, the next generation, like the next wave of image uh, creators, Sam Keith, you have doing uh, the Max and bringing mm -hmm. it to MTV. And I feel like all of these characters should have gone first and foremost to MTV. Yes. Like, you know, Todd had the right idea. But he kind of overshot it even more by going, nah, but I'm going to bring Spawn over to HBO. It's like, okay, that's kind of ballsy, but he did it, and it I mean, it's Todd. Yeah. Not, not, not Todd the Bob, rest in peace, but, you know, it's Todd McFarlane. 
And what got me about that is like you mentioned the Youngblood uh, pitch reel, mm-hmm. and it got me thinking. I'm like, Youngblood would have been perfect for MTV because Rob Liefeld is 1990s, 1980s MTV. Like that is his Bye bread jeans. and butter. Leave oh, my yeah. jeans. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of imagination, and you know, it's um. Yeah. I lo- I love that commercial so much. <laughs> But in regards to like all of that, you know, pitching it for MTV, that would have been perfect. And the fact they didn't do it because like you look at Youngblood, Youngblood is this group of characters that are the MTV generation. They're they're superheroes, but supermodels. Okay. Now, well, first off, I'm just going to do a quick side note. It's funny because as soon as that spawn, the first time I saw the spawn cartoon, I had immediately thought, man, this would be perfect for Punisher. Like, can you imagine like a Punisher Wars uh, War Journal show like every week where it's like something you could be bloody, you could be violent, you could be, you know, X-rated or whatever. Because at that time, HBO was kind of experimenting with animation as well. And I, um, yeah, like the Ralph Bakshi series, I think it was uh, Spicy City, which was like on right around the time of Spawn. And then there were a couple others, I think. But you could have done like a Punisher on HBO, and I think you would have gotten a huge audience. I mean, people would have wanted to tune into that. Like, you know, but, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, the MTV generation. And, you know, this is the MTV, you know, superheroes. The one, I think the biggest casualty, uh, do you know the story of the Gen 13 animated movie? I didn't know there was one. So I was a massive Gen 13 fan. I loved Gen 13, uh, had all the comics, had all the, all that stuff. I, in oh, side note, I actually, <laughs> um, I went to a private school and for like a visit to see if I, if I liked it one time and I was wearing a Gen 13 shirt and they kicked me out because they thought it was too sexual. So I joked that the next day I was just going to come wearing a Wonder Woman shirt and see how that goes um but gen 13 was great it was like you know it was like the hot new comic for the minute like j scott campbell was really emerging and this is before i think um he would go on to do like every other 80s thing and danger girl and all that stuff but there was an animated series i think it was i think it was completed in 98 and there was a lot of going back and forth is it going to be you know, theatrical, is it going to be, you know, straight to DVD? And then I think Disney was the one putting it out. And then they just decided to shelve it. Bootleg copies are out there. You can still find it. Um, it had Mark Hamill. It had Flea. It had Alicia Witt. Um, it, it's driving me crazy. I can't remember the other names, but they had some very big names. And Kevin Altieri, who, you know, Batman the Animated Series had also worked on it. So it was going to be the next big step for gen 13 because had it been released it it probably would have gotten the same amount of attention at least in my opinion that like an x-men or you know it it could have been you know images you know mainstream home run you know it's funny by the way you mentioned uh kevin altieri i used to do a batman the animated series podcast 
and we were you know trying to build it up doing our thing and then the show slowly died due to you know personal reasons Mm-hmm. And then a year later, I go to a con, East Coast Comic Con, and it's yep. after hours, and I'm hanging out with Kevin Altieri. And the comment made was, he goes, oh, yeah, I heard of your show. I was a big fan. Oh, great. That was nice. That felt yep. great. Yeah, and by the way, he also, um, I believe, he was the original animator on the real Ghostbusters uh, promo pitch, which is circulating around. And actually, the first time we saw it released was on the... Uh, the time life real ghostbusters uh firehouse set which he also does commentary i believe um but i mean what i i mean i would love to just sit there and talk to kevin altieri i think he's incredible wealth of animation history and i would just i think i think he's great but you know this <sighs> gen 13 was a casualty you know and unfortunately you know it got shelved forever there's no way we're going to get an official blu-ray at this point you know, it's kind of going back to what I had surmised. Uh, it's kind of what I predicted, you know, probably happened to an evil Ernie pitch. You know, it just got shelved and we're never going to see it. Um, but, you know, this one you can go out and see bootlegs. Um, Gen 13 was great. It was like a younger, hipper, kind of sexier kind of X-Men Gen 13. Um, but you could still tell the inspiration from other characters which was a very big thing in image and it sounds like i'm really making fun of them but i'm really not because they were able to take all these characteristics and kind of make them interesting and appealing to younger people like me and like you know people that were older and gen 13 was one of them and it's it's interesting to see the fact that you know you look back on it now that era of image is currently being massively celebrated a lot of people yes now have fond memories like you look at the boys at cartoonist kayfabe like they're doing their you know every once in a while they'll do their uh image or the wizard magazine videos talking about you know what's going on now you know doing commentary with hindsight mm-hmm. and it's interesting seeing that era be now beloved and like yeah. every few months you'll hear like an update from the todd father going hey bud we're going to be doing a spawn movie. And it's like, no, you're not. It's been the same thing over and over. And I would love to see it when we had Todd on, he was like, I want to do the movie. And by the way, when I talk about how we had him on, I will not do the impression, but anyway, you know, (laughs) he, he was so excited about the, you know, the possibility of it. And like, I've noticed in a lot of ways, spawns kind of been pushed to the back burner, which is fortunate. Uh-huh. Because like I recently just saw he did a signing uh, for like CGC and he had a spawn shirt on. But what was he wearing on his head? And it's been rumor and innuendo rumor and innuendo. Easy for me to uh-huh. say <laughs> chicken salad. But in regards to what he was wearing on his head was a venom hat. Interesting. And a lot of people are saying that there's a big possibility because Greg Capullo recently just put up a tweet saying, hey, Marvel people, I'm thinking of doing something. Mm. And it's like, oh, oh, uh-huh. because Toddy Mac wants to do one more Spider-Man thing. Of course he does. And he's openly said he will on our show. He goes, I will do it with spawn and it's like mm-hmm. of course he'll do a spawn we know that 
Yes. And it would be cool like because like the Overstreet price guide in 2021, the cover of that year was Spawn and Spidey together for the first time ever. Interesting. And drawn by the Todd father. Really? So this I did not know. This is kind of news to me. Yeah, this is like two years ago. And it was a big deal because like Todd was like drawing the cover and he's like making it. He was, I remember again, I love how a lot of the old school guys can be the biggest level of carny. And mm. it was him going on saying, yeah, bud, we're going to be doing a Spider-Man thing. And he's like putting like previews on his Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram. And then it's just revealed. Oh, it's just for over street. I'm like, you mm-hmm. son of a bitch, <laughs> but well, it's like okay. so great. Now, now, first off, can, can we kind of deviate into a side note? Um, do you do do you remember the weird intros Todd would do for the animated Spawn series? I most certainly do. <laughs> you know, whenever you look into your dreams, you'll always see yourself. But beware, it may not be you. What the hell are you talking about, Todd? He did like, one about. I, it, the, 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 <laughs> I, I feel like if you didn't know what spawn was and you were just tuning in because you were probably high and drunk, you'd probably see Todd talking about like the shadows and, you know, uh, Mac tonight and all that crap. And you'd just be like, what the f-? this is stupid. My, my um, favorite thing just now, by the way, you snuck in a Mac tonight reference and shout out nope. to Tessa Blanchard. But in regards to, uh, mm. in regards to his intros, my favorite one was he goes, uh, because I'm pulling up the thing that I'm going to say, but mm-hmm. he he does this bit where he's talking about when you go home and you see your lover and he's, she's doing your best friend or something, but all I can think of is Mo Sizlak on The Simpsons going, uh, say one of you, you fly girl. One of your fly girls is dissing you, or your homie is dissing your fly girl. Or something. Just give him one of these. Bang, 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 bang. Todd is such a uh, Todd. I feel like is very self-aware, but I think he's also, I I mean, we're talking about wizard and wizard was a huge part of my life. And I know a lot of people's lives, but Todd had a, um, didn't he have an article or a column called ego or was it, or is that someone else? I'm not sure, but I know. I know Liefeld had a column and it was literally called Rob Servations. And now that's the name of his podcast. Um, and it makes me laugh because, you know, you look at that image era and you uh-huh. look at the, you look at it concurrently with the wizard magazine. And it's funny too, because you were either a wizard magazine guy or mm-hmm. you were a toy fair guy. Oh no, 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 no. Let's, let's go back even further. You were either a hero illustrated guy or a wizard guy. Ooh, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Or a comics. Um, oh, what was it? Comics it was journal. Comics. Comics journal. Thank you. Yes. And comics Which, journal by the was way, the, the hipster one. Comics journal was the one that was like, um, you would get if Wizard or Hero wasn't available. <laughs> yeah. Like actually, Hero or um, Comics Journal was the one that um, I remember. That's how I found out about the Fantastic Four movie at the time. Um, Comics Journal is one of the most interesting ones because you look at like they would do they would put in the depositions of like legal cases. Mm hmm. That was more of the intelligent fan, whereas Hero was more of the mainstream fan. And then Wizard was more of the um, the juvenile stupid boy um, teenager you know, getting a slurpee. Who, 
Yes. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. Um, so yeah, we were talking about Todd. Do you remember when he was working with corn? Oh yeah. So do you remember he would also like appear every once in a while and, you know, he would do promotion with corn or he, and, and actually if you watch the 1999 VMAs, so, but I mean, you know, he's in the crowd wearing the spawn hockey Jersey and just, you know, every time the camera pans on him, the first thing you see is just that green and black spawn Jersey. It, it was really kind of cool to see Todd branching out, you know, whereas I think that's where, you know, or Rob Liefeld wanted to go with young blood. I don't know if Jim Lee truly cared if you know a wildcats was you know going to be accepted to the mainstream because he had like a million other things he was doing i think this is just before he started with dc in the interest um, of fairness in -hmm. the interest of fairness you know jim ran off to go back to marvel when the opportunity arose that's right to do heroes uh reborn reborn or Mm -hmm. whatever that's true he did he did and 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 that was 97 96 97 Okay, so, you know, by then, I think Wildcats had cooled down um, and, you know, there was a lot of other stuff that he was doing that I think took the back burner, which I I I think a lot of people also point to, well, that's kind of where image started to go downhill. And it's kind of hard to argue because this is why image was formed in the first place. And then they're going right back. Um. But Wildcats was a great, oh, Wildcats was a good example of this. This should have been on uh, MTV because you have so many stories that would have been better suited, you know, for that, you know, slightly older, more mature audience. You had Zealot who was just, you know, violent, angry, you know, warrior, and then he had Voodoo, who was a stripper. And then he had Grifter, who I think Grifter really should have been a bigger character in the long run, um, as far as like mainstream comics go. But, you know, they went to CBS. They had to kind of dumb it down. They had to kind of toy around and, you know, make the characters more kid friendly. And <sighs> it just it didn't work. And it, what really sucked is I was a massive Wildcats fan. I loved it. It was one of my favorite comics at the time. And I was so excited for the cartoon, the action figures, the Super Nintendo game. And then it all comes out and I'm watching and I'm like, this isn't like the comic at all. Like, why is everyone kind of dumb? Like Warblade was kind of the, um, the outcast and he was the one that was trying to, you know, avoid being part of the team and zealot was kind of the show just it it just didn't work the toys were kind of cool but i mean they weren't really like action figures where you could like you know have a lot of playability and they were like maybe six inches or you know so they were taller than x-men i just i don't think that that push worked because they they changed it so much and what's interesting is during this time, another thing that was very big was trading cards. Oh, and this gosh. was like 
before recently with the whole, you know, pandemic and people mm-hmm. selling shit online and, you know, boosting the price of the cards and then immediately crashing them. The 1990s were a very big time for the trading card scene. You know, you have the Marvel uh, masterpieces with art by the great Joe Jusco. You have the X-Men cards with art by Jim Lee. You have the Marvel Uh Universe cards with art by everybody. And even like they they would do like a Todd McFarlane Spider-Man series. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because like, since you're closer to where I am now, you're in a different state, but you're fairly close. There's a flea market. And I want to point you in the direction of this because now that you're nearby, you can easily go to this. But Stormville, New York, the Stormville flea market over there, the Stormville Airport Antique Show flea market or whatever they call it. There's a vendor there that has nothing but trading cards from that time period. And it is the coolest thing to see because one, he's got the original boxes and everything set up. So you're seeing that, you know, with the whole like little folds he's selling some of them like in you know the box and makes me think if he still even has them left after everything because the last time i saw him was Mm pre-pandemic so you never know they might still be there fingers crossed but i'm kind of not holding my breath right but But, that sounds great i would definitely check out a flea market like that um but yeah the trading cards were massive I mean, trading card, everything got a trading card back then. I mean, the Flintstones movie got a trading card set. Um, I remember, I mean, Mad Magazine got a trading card set of just the covers. I think Comic Images, was it Comic Images? I don't know. But there were so many trading cards and that really helped kind of push it, you know, all these in, that was a nice way to get independent comics out too. Like, so you would get every, you would have a wild storm set. You would have a wild cats, a spawn, you know, um, I think young blood had one too. You would have the max, you would have, you know, hell, if you want to go one step further, you would even get MTV oddities, you know? So it, it was, it was very underground comic and cartoon, you know, uh, uh, front, or what is it wild frontier or whatever the phrase is back then and you know image certainly you know had that appeal unfortunately you know in the case of like wildcat savage dragon and it, you know even malibu uh, with ultra force just didn't work you know it just didn't work but let's 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 kind of not let dc or marvel off the uh the hook either because they kind of had some stinkers too you know, let, let's not act like that Swamp Thing cartoon was uh, pretty good. You oh, know, the greatest. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Like not, and uh, some of these would work, some of them didn't. Um, I, like, I like how you mentioned the Swamp Thing animated series. What about the Swamp Thing live action series? I, I preferred the animated or the um, the live action series a lot, lot more. And it's funny too because. A lot of those shows during the time, again, we keep going back over to Image because Image is the personification of the 1990s for me. Oh, gosh, is it ever? Absolutely. And the one series and, you know, friend of the show, Eric Larson, he mm-hmm. did, they did the uh, Savage Dragon series and it was, an, it was on USA, but let's be honest, it was on the wrong time of day. If you had done that series, what time back in the day, because you'll know this probably offhand, on USA, what time did Duckman air? 
Oh, Duckman aired like at like after Raw. So it was either like between it was either nine or ten. Now, do Duckman at nine, do Savage Dragon at nine thirty, have it mm-hmm. be a PG thirteen kind of show? Oh gosh. And 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 putting it on well, okay. Now, first off, wasn't Duckman based on a uh, comic book too? Probably. I it, it, I think it was. And you know what? We're talking about animated series based on comics that were just so truncated. Let's not there was there's one glaring omission that we haven't even mentioned yet because it was turned into such a successful movie. Which one? Oh yeah. And the funniest yeah. thing is the mask is not like the movie counterpart. The mask Gosh, is one no. of the darkest comics I've ever read. And it's, it's like psychotic. It's absolutely psychotic. And, and to see, and, and I will say, I, I saw that movie opening weekend. It was great. And I love Jim Carrey. And I thought he did just one of the most amazing jobs ever, but it was not the comic. And uh, then, you know, then you go the next route, which is, well, we're going to do an animated series. We're going to do action figures. We're going to kind of make it a little bit. It's, you know, what's a perfect example? It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle route. Yeah, 110%. And that's not a slight whatsoever against Ninja Turtles or, you know, the mask or whatever, but that's kind of, that's kind of where I think the trend started. You know, I, I mean, look, and there, there are other examples like Rambo, you know, Toxic Avenger and Toxic Crusaders. But, and I even think that there's an aliens um, pilot floating around somewhere. But, you know, a lot of these, you know, comic properties, they, they just didn't resemble any, you know, their, their cartoon, their toys, whatever the case may have been, just didn't resemble the original source material. You know, and it's funny because once again, that whole idea of all of these series and just the 90s brand of these characters, mm-hmm. you, like the biggest thing, and I can't believe we really haven't talked about it to the degree we have, but let's talk about and dinosaurs. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Never mind. Oh, 110%. No, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're having even comic book properties that were not that big no. get the option like Rusty mm-hmm. and uh, Big Guy the Robot, the Frank mm-hmm. Miller Jeff Darrow series, or the one that really like, holy shit, they made this into an animated series, but it was a successful video game as well. Sam and Max Freelance yep. Police. Sam and, and Max. Steve yep. Purcell is like one of the most unsung people in the realm of comics. And mm-hmm. it's funny because so much different stuff got optioned i'm wondering like they did a movie but was american splendor option to do something mm. like they could have done like an animated series but like have it be different animators for each story Ooh. do something like that like put it on hbo or showtime mm-hmm. or you know for some reason on stars and encore but um just something unique and didn't happen but maybe you know somewhere out there in you know the documents of uh, harvey Picar, maybe that's sitting in there mm-hmm. who knows but well you you know who we're we haven't even touched on him and i i i kind of blame myself because i'm the king of sidetracking but you know the tick yeah the tick and nobody ever saw that coming you know nobody saw that coming but it worked um 
because it, who knew that that who even knew that that was a comic at the time and it was a I mean, good comic it's, it's it's a very good comic but how many people knew about it outside of like maybe the members of the tick fan club which i think i was a member of um <laughs> but it, it, that was another series like how is that getting a chance and you know how is the max or how is cadillac i'm, I'm sorry xenozoic tales you know how are these all getting a chance but wildcats isn't work well i've already been down that road but like all these characters that do work and meanwhile like say you know maybe i don't know all these other you know things that you know they're just given so many restrictions on they're not working but you know you give you know tick the mega push you give the max you did it right with that because any other channel i don't think would have touched the max in any way shape or form and it's kind of a note for note adaptation of the source material it looks like an animated comic book it just looks like they're flipping the pages like right in front of you the animation is just i mean back then it was mind-blowing and even now you watch it now it's one of the most beautiful and just striking animated, you know, series based on comics I've ever seen. I, I it, 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 there's just, it, it's just too perfect. There's it, a, it, uh, there's a YouTube account that I love following because, and I, I hope they're still there because I'll be heartbroken if they're not, but it's a uh, YouTube channel that uploads 35 millimeter film trailers oh. and all of the different things. And one of them was a 35 millimeter film print of a commercial for from MTV for the Max, and you know it's it's formatted in a 4:3 resolution, but it, you know it's shown on the big screen, and it was using real music. So like you're as this stuff is going on screen, Nine Inch Nails cover of Joy Division's Dead Souls is playing, and you're seeing all the different things and. I'm looking it up right now. If it's still there, I really hope it is because if it's not, I'm going to kick so myself. For was this kind of was this kind of played at like industry shows to kind of sell it, or was it just kind of something that MTV like someone found in an MTV vault and just kind of ran off with? It was a commercial, and I just it was a it was a promo for the okay. Show. Send it to me if it's still up, please. It most certainly is. It's by a, <gasps> a page called FT Depot, and I love their videos because being a kid of the 90s mm-hmm. you'll have like that one random memory and like i wonder if i can find that and nine yeah. times out of ten if it if you went to a movie in the 90s mm-hmm. this site probably has the you know the pre-show stuff the this the mm-hmm. that the one that the way i found them in 1999 i went to go see pokemon the first movie and i remember <laughs> going into the what? theater hell yeah like, hell yeah but um i remember going to see it and right before the movie started, they showed this uh, quick little commercial for the AMC Lowe's Theater with the oh, Muppets, that's and it was right. Sesame Street. Yes. And I found it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is kind of cool to see. And then I remember when I was a little kid, I had a frightening or a massive crippling fear of Muppets being gigantic. Mm-hmm. Long story. Don't I go was, to Disney World, I, young Peter. Oh, no, I did, and I'm fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> The funniest thing was that story was actually retold uh, to my uh, girlfriend when she went to go when we went to go to Muppet Vision 3D and her friend was waiting oh. patiently for when Sweetums came out. Oh, no. So to see me scared shitless and needless <laughs> to say, I wasn't, but it made me laugh. I'm like, oh, it's Sweetums. Oh, 
I love you guys. I Sweetums is one of my favorite Muppets. Because, so I used to work with kids and one day we showed uh, the Muppet movie and we're watching it. And it's the scene where like Sweetums is at the, like the used car dealership and he starts racing and running. Well, one of these smart ass kids turns around and says, Hey, Mr. Chad, you're kind of like Sweetums too. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> So I I kind of have I, I I love Sweetums because he's big, loud, and hairy, just like me. So hell yeah. So before we wrap this episode up, one of the big things that I really want to talk about is with toys. You know, you have playmates yes. who are doing the Ninja Toitles. They were doing all sorts of other characters. Like Savage Dragon had action figures, and they were through the Ninja Turtles. Well, also who was do I? Well, side note who redesigned the Ninja Turtles at that time. Wasn't it Larson? Nope. It was Jim Lee, I think. Yes. Yes. Cause they hyped it as that. I remember that. And and I think that that led to a lot of like rumors and like chatter that, Oh, maybe Jim Lee is going to do a new um, Ninja Turtle cartoon. And those interesting enough, I think they, the only character they didn't do, I believe was Leonardo. They only did three Ninja Turtles. They didn't you know, do all four, which was an, confusing. I and never aside, understood that. And aside, you should have a podcast, and it's called Chatter. C H A D D E R. I no. Okay. Anyway, so in regards, <laughs> but Playmates also put out those Wildcats figures too. So they kind of had, if you were an indie fan, you had all these characters, but they just weren't in scale with like Batman or X Men or whatever the case was. But, you know, you still had them, and it was pretty wild. No cats. pun intended. Yes, wildcats. Now, in regards to the the figures as well, it's funny because, like, you have Continuity Studios. They're doing – I believe it was through Playmates, the uh, Bucky O'Hare figures by mm-hmm. you know, Michael Golden and Larry Hama. And Ugh, Michael Golden. My favorite carny. But um, uh, He's like the Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. See, I I love his work, but just just I don't want to talk to him. Less this, less said the better. But God anyway, bless him. Um, he didn't even sneeze. But in regards to um the whole element of those figures, you know, you have that. You have uh just a lot of different characters, mm-hmm. and one of the biggest companies with toys as well was Toy Biz. Toy mm-hmm. Biz ruled the roost. <sighs> with the x-men figures those alone and those figures they are burned into my brain that really shitty looking wolverine with the pop claws the psych the uh colossus one where he's carrying you know oh the why me wait what looks like he's just screaming why me oh yeah (laughs) why me goldberg why me oh wait no wrong sorry oh man Toy Biz, and and this was at a time when Kenner was very going in the direction of we need more Batman, and you know that was their main focus. Because remember, I'd say from eighty, probably so. Toy Biz had done a line of DC heroes, which was all just kind of recasted superpowers, but done much cheaper. And until we got that um, total justice line in like 96, 97, 
we didn't have any other like DC action figures. Like it was mainly all Batman and Batman related characters. You might get, you know, I mean, I can't really think, I, I'm sure that there's an example, but you wouldn't really get any, you know, other DC figures um, at that point. So the toy biz took a chance and just said you know what we're gonna do x-men we're gonna do x-force we're gonna do x-factor we're gonna do spider-man we're gonna do fantastic four we're gonna do go oh my gosh we're leaving one out they did ghost rider and ghost rider didn't even have an animated series i i think that there's a i think you know we keep going back to the pitch but i think that there was a pilot that they had animated but ghost rider didn't have a cartoon it's funny i wonder if that's do you think that's in the Disney vault? I, yes, I, I really think that there, I think that, and I've, I've read up on conspiracy conspiracies. Um, I've heard people say that there is a pilot out there or like some backdoor pilot or something. And that it was just kind of, you know, new footage and recycled footage from like fantastic four and Spider-Man and all that. It's kind of like that captain America kind of you know test that they did but i yeah i if it, if it exists i think it would be in the, the disney vault but they were willing to take every chance under the sun they did x-men 2099 they gave that a line you know and you know kenner wasn't really if they didn't have a movie property they weren't really willing to take a chance on it Kenner did so, Congo figures, and I own one of those Congo figures. Yes. Shout out to my boy Zombie Sailor Toys. But, you know, it's funny because you look at that era, especially mm-hmm. the, the Toy Biz stuff, and you mentioned those X-Men 2099s. Mm-hmm. Over by me, I'm near Poughkeepsie, New York, and there is a store. Mm-hmm. And they're is now there? all long gone. Yeah, they're all this store, what they sold is now all long gone, and it kills me. Because I remember going in one day. I remember my mom went in and, you know, I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, no, I was, I was away that weekend, I think for a con. And I remember getting a text from her going, you like Marvel figures? And I go, yeah. And she goes, take a look at this. And she sends me a picture of these toy biz figures, brand new in Mm -hmm. this like liquidation store in 2017 or 18. And they're on the wall for three dollars a figure. That's still too much. But it was it was X Men twenty ninety nine Generation oh. X Ghost Rider, and all of these different Toy Biz figures. Uh, there were some of the Marvel superheroes ones with the gray card backs, and I have like I have the Invisible Woman from that because of that story. Oh, yes, the early Toy Biz, and that was actually if we want to kind of just go back to, you know, DC, I think that was all it's, it's weird how that happened. DC, like as soon as like 89 ended all of a sudden, you know, the license went back to Kenner and, you know, toy biz is just doing Marvel now. So at that time you would still go into toy stores and see DC Marvel, you know, um, toy biz figures on the, on the shelf at the same time. It was it was it was pretty cool to be honest. And you know, shout out to our boys over at uh, Pandora's Box over in lovely Lafayette, New Jersey. They have so, <laughs> they have so many 
of the toy biz era figures and it's cool to see because mm-hmm. once again as myself a graphic designer like seeing the you know i'm yeah. a sucker for that stuff oh seeing yeah seeing that and like going in that store by the way and this is not a, a commercial for them although it totally could be but <laughs> you go in there and you see that wall of toys and it transports you back like when you yes. went in for the jonathan garganathan signing mm-hmm. and looking at that wall and seeing all of those toys it was overwhelming that, wasn't it and like it was overwhelming you, you never see that in stores like no. you'll go to a hobby shop and it's mostly like let's say the dc direct figures or mm-hmm. those diamond uh figures you know that are just gigantic pieces of plastic that kind of like, mm-hmm. like by the way just off the record i not off the record on the record publicly i think the diamond select moon knight that they came out with is one of the shittiest looking figures i've ever seen in my life oh wow like, i don't think i've fig- seen this one this one, it's a it's a re repaint in the style of Moon Knight from the show, mm-hmm. as a repaint of the uh, 2007 Diamond Select figure, and what the figure looks like is a person that had a garbage bag put on their face and pulled back as they're struggling to breathe. Oh. It is the so it's, shit. It's 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 that scene with Catherine Hellman in Brazil, it, where she's like so getting bad. plastic surgery or something. It's so bad. And it's like, you can tell that was the moment Diamond Select lost Paul Harding as a uh, sculptor. Yeah, and Paul's probably. stuff friggin' rules. So shout out to Paul. Oh, he, he, is, I, he is Hasbro's biggest get, by the way, for the record. It, like, if you see some figures now from them, like of comic-centric figures, mm-hmm. and they look good, chances are that was Paul. Well, we're talking about Toy Biz. Do you remember at what, what they started doing after they lost the Marvel license? Well, they never lost the, like, the late two thousands. Oh yeah, the uh, the indie figures. It all goes back to that. Like they gave us. I think they did um, Rusty the Boy Robot. I think they did Scud. I think they Savage, did. There was Savage Dragon, yes. Madman. There we go. No, no Madman, but Savage Dragon, and they they did an early Build a Fig. They and the did. Build a Fig yes. is one of the most expensive Build a Figs you will ever. Find. Isn't it the pit? Yeah. Yep, that's right. I remember that because I remember they that they were announcing these like right after they lost Marvel. Because I think this is when Marvel went to Hasbro and Mattel had gotten DC. So it's like everybody was getting pushed over. It was a really interesting time in the late 2000s. But yeah, I remember that pit figure just being a, a very massive looking figure and that's another i mean we could we could go on and on but that would have been another mtv animated series that we could have seen and it would have just been like heavy metal metallica you know soundtrack and just nine inch nails and all that stuff and that would have fit in perfect and a character without a nose well i mean god bless him no, he doesn't um, sneeze very much. Well, at least, you know, if he's at a comic convention, he doesn't have to smell these nerds. So, got, you know, it works for him. Lucky him. <laughs> I know. But it all comes back to, like, all these indie characters that, you know, maybe people had, you know, 10 years before they didn't get the, the, the action figure that they deserved. So, like you said, Savage Dragon. I'm sure Eric Larson, I, I don't know him, but I assume he was probably happier with that figure than he was the Playmates. Um. You know, so Toy Biz giving, you know, the indie guys uh, was pretty, pretty cool at the time, because I also think that was also the time I think they were also doing TNA. So, you know, Toy Biz was kind of going back to their indie roots. 
where they could kind of, you know, do lesser known properties. Well, what was funny was those figures, the indie comics, I think it was like independent comic superstars or something like that. Something like that. And it it screamed a name, by the way, it's like that uh, figures wrestling company or figures Mm. uh, toy company. Mm. And they had like a line of like, right. I think after ECW died or before ECW died, it was independent wrestling or legends of wrestling, legends of wrestling. And it's the cheesiest, shittiest looking line of figures. But like the name is so low, low brand. It's like, yes. Oh, but anyway, can, well, I'm going to correct you. I think that th- those were released, I believe, around 98, 99. It was very early. And like it was during a time when like Jack's WWF was really starting to take off. Um, I will say I do. I, I know someone who says that's their favorite wrestling figure line of all time. Kid you not. I'm not going to name them, um, but he, they're so weird looking. But like, they, I never liked them. They look like Charlie Brown characters. And what, what gets me, though, is with that independent comic series of figures, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I never thought we would be talking about that on this show ever, but here okay. we are. And yeah. yeah, and like what gets me about those figures is that they were by Toy Biz, but here's the funniest thing about it. They, I believe, were not because they weren't listed as Toy Biz anymore. Like the name changed to Marvel Toys, mm-hmm. and Marvel so. Toys no longer had the license to make Marvel Toys. <laughs> no, no, and, like, that's and, such it, a late two thousands Marvel decision. Like, well, I mean, they're they're killing Captain America. They're killing Toy Biz. I mean, why not at this point? It's so funny. And it's like, that was again, the time when like they were doing TNA wrestling figures. So mm-hmm. you could see Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. I have a Christian cage right next to me. I kid you not from Toy Biz. I'm, I'm, I'm holding it right now. I kid you not. I have the whole series of wave one, which was uh, abyss J E double F ha ha J A double R ha ha E double T ha ha Jeff G O double N. Double E. God. Goonie? Goonie. Goonie Google. <laughs> Great googly moogly. Um, in regard, like, I have the whole set, like, Jarrett, Abyss, AJ, and Raven with, you know, mm-hmm. the battle kilt. And, like, they were such a, it's funny because, like, you look at the WWE figures at the time. And, again, mm-hmm. like, this is a company that's like, we're going to make these figures and give them certain, like, moves they can do and it's like mm-hmm. no i want a figure where i can pose them in cool moves mm-hmm. instead of like hey here's a guy who's like you know he's got a spring-loaded arm it's like yep this isn't 1990 anymore yes. ironically those kind of toys now they're getting a revitalization they are but because Absolutely. like the design of them like mm-hmm. again once again shout out to zombie sailor toys who's got you know the original wwf hasbro guy ron rudat mm-hmm. working on those designs making them look like actual figures from that time period mm-hmm. by like, the way side note i kid you so you know that i'm heavily heavily into the wrestling figure community and we see a lot of retro figure you know companies come along and try their hand zombie i think is the only one that i've been convinced if you put one of his figures next to like the undertaker hasbro or like a sean michaels or nails or whoever um those are the only figures that i would be convinced were made in like 1993 94 i think those are the best retros that we're seeing i had much respect to zombie sailor 
The funniest thing is I kind of would not say that, but in a good way. I feel like they are like them, but a step up. So like, so like you kept, think they're better, probably yeah, like, like better looking? Yeah, because like when you look at certain okay. characters, like the one I go to is either the Andre the Giant or the Brutus the Barber beefcake, where it's like the really white painted eyes. And then mm-hmm. you look at like the Sabu and like you see like the pupils and all mm-hmm. this. It's like, holy crap, that's cool to see. Like right. the, his figures look like what would have happened if they kept going and going oh, and eventually had the yes. better quality. You know what? And and we, we're going to go back. It, it's a good comparison. You go look at the early Toy Biz or hell, hell since we're talking about indie comics, go look at the original Spawn figures and then look at the Spawn figure now. I have the very first Spawn figure. The cape? And I ordered it. And the bat? Like, no. Well, I have. I don't have the parts. The only part I have left is the uh, cape. I ordered this off of uh, a seller on eBay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of this whole set was I ordered it because I had donate i put money towards the kickstarter for the uh the it's funny because he hasn't done one since which is surprising but it was a spawn action figure kickstarter and it was like the fastest funded kickstarter in less than an hour it was fully funded over a hundred thousand dollars but like that figure got funded i donated you know an hour after and i got the figure and it is a friggin beaut and yeah like the evolution I, I, absolutely. I mean, Todd, I, look, Todd was ahead of his time back in the 90s with his comics and obviously, you know, the action figures. Do you remember uh, what the original name for the company was? Todd Toys. And do you remember why they had to change it? <laughs> that I don't. No, you don't. So I believe the story goes that uh, Mattel had a like a character named Todd or something like that. And they didn't want people to be confused between, you know, Spawn and like Barbie's like, you know, nephew or Ken's like little brother or something like that. Well, wouldn't you? Of course I would. And, and in fact, that's the comic I want to see is Spawn and uh, you know what? Let's just go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spawn and Ken's little brother, Todd, or I'd rather see Spawn and uh, Todd the Bod, but you know, whatever. Um but it, it, it's it, Todd has always been kind of looking forward. Like he even, I mean, look at even his uh, sports figures. I mean, I I'd argue that those are the best sports figures we'll ever get because, you know, starting lineups, <laughs> they're not exactly, you know, the most beautiful, you know, the most beautiful figures in the world, but Todd took, you know, saw that he could probably start making them, you know, corner of the market on that and you can't even come close to touching those no 100 percent. you know and um you know uh i i i mean all these just he was always ahead of his time and as crazy as he is he knows what he's doing and he knows i think how to help shape the future but um yeah the 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 the, the independent figure you know come companies at the time it's it's kind of like what we're going through now you have all these fans coming along and you know all these producers and sculptors and artists they're like oh you know what we're gonna we're gonna kind of start making figures of our own that's what kind of happened antarctic press i had mentioned you know warrior nonarella i think that that was like the first one of the very 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 first independent you know figures or i i don't know how to explain it but you know, Warrior Nunarella, 
then we saw you know dirty pear then we or not dirty pear what was it maximum why i thinking of anime again i see so kawaii um but we yes dirty pear. <laughs> i i actually i know someone who has a dirty pear poster <laughs> in their collection and his name is peter Melnick. how um, dare you sir but yeah i mean just it was really cool you know because and, even as a you know diehard comic fan wizard addicted you know i have to have every single you know comic piece of paraphernalia there would be characters coming out that i didn't even know existed you know so like i said nira x and then you know there were some other characters i i know nira x because i had one someone gave that to me as a christmas present one year as a gag gift it's terrible i don't I, i think i threw it away but it, it was really cool to see all these independent companies get their figures, you know, even if they had to produce it themselves. So now before we wrap this episode up, first off, Chad, thank you so much for being on the program today. You know what, Peter, thank you so much. And uh, I know we ran a little long and you and I have a habit of kind of going off topic and I have a habit of rambling you know, but gosh, this has just been so much fun to talk to and just kind of break down. I, I, I can't thank you enough. And I hope everyone had a good time listening if you made it this far. Absolutely. And obviously you have an open invite to come back on any time, especially when Eddie is here. So you'll have an Eddie in the room. We can do that Marvel trivia book again. And then we can also oh, talk yeah. about how Pride of the X-Men is the best animated series of all. How dare you, sir? Peter just hung up on me. <laughs> All right. And Chad, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on them? Our social medias, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook page, horror movie barbecue, um, celebrating 10 years of the horror movie barbecue. Uh, and it's been a very fun 10 years and I'm looking forward to whatever this year has in store for me. Also, Peter, I just moved to the, uh, you know, moved to the, uh, I moved a lot closer to where you are. So you and I will probably be doing a lot more comic cons. Hell yeah. And especially signings over at our friends at lovely Pandora's box in lovely. Again, I'm going to say it again, Lafayette, New Jersey. Menachem. Exactly. For the Marvel. That is canon movie. I'm sorry, Peter. Go ahead. <laughs> say it. Say it again. That is canon movie. <laughs> For the Marvelists. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm a knock goal. No, you're not. You're Chad Young. Damn it. Damn it. Ex- Excelsior. Enough said. True believer. Mustache, mustache, mustache. Ah. Ha ha ha.